The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Week number? 70. Wow. I know. We've come a long way. I know. <laughs> Very we're quickly, too. We're still talking. There's... We are. There's never uh, like a, a lack of things to talk about, especially when it comes to addiction, drugs, rehab, and all the things that we do discuss. And I think good. it's good news and it's bad news. Um, it's good news because we can constantly give the information we come across to the public that are listening to us. It's bad news because there's still a drug problem, there's still an addiction problem, and there's still an enormous need for rehabilitation, interventions, and stuff like that to save you know people and their families. Exactly. I want to tell our listeners that it was your birthday this week. So it was. Can, so they can be thinking happy birthday. So I decided to get Jason a cupcake to celebrate his birthday, even though it's not today. It was earlier this week. And... I saw a friend of mine and I said, we're going to go on the podcast and talk about addiction while we eat sugar. Sugar is a, is a different form of addiction. Huge addiction. Um, and a lot of times, uh, sugar goes hand in hand with addiction because a lot of people who are addicted to opioids have intense sugar cravings. Right. It's part of, uh, a lot of times when they're coming down and going through withdrawal, or even sometimes when you're high, they crave sugar like intensely. Um, and so... That's that connection. And also sugar itself is sugar, a huge sugar addiction. Is, it, is, it is addictive. Like when you go off of sugar, because I've majorly been off of sugar for about a month. I mean, you do have, and make no mistake, listeners, I am not in any way comparing addiction to sugar to addiction to hardcore drugs, but you can, you do get cravings for sugar. It is, it is yeah. kind of a, a drag. And I also wanted to tell our listeners that even though Quite lightheartedly, Jason and I are talking about his birthday right now. We don't take the subject of addiction lightly, but, you know, there is hope. And that's the whole point we do this podcast, because when I go over to Narcanon and I see the students that are there, they're not zombies. They don't look like so introverted and sullen and sad or mad. I mean, they really look like they're, you know, starting to cope with their addiction. Right. And um, that's a good thing. Yeah. And that's not a not, sad thing or a mad thing or a bad thing. Not at all. And they're also not doped up in psych drugs either. So that's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. So even though I'm making a little bit light here with Jason's birthday, I just wanted to bring that up. I'll say I thought about my well, on my birthday. I thought about what I had done in this past year. And uh, I think I've probably, um, in conjunction with you, talked to more people than I've ever talked to in my life because I feel like we have some kind of captive audience here and I am getting to talk to people all around the world in their earbuds or in their stereos or whatever it is in their cars and and tell them what are my solutions to the drug addiction crisis? What are my solutions to um, you know addiction in general? Your solutions as well, your opinions on it and also tell people what's going on. I think I've talked to more people in this last year than I have ever in my entire life. And I thought that was very, very, very cool. I think it's very cool. And we also get, you know, the take from other people, like when we've had Dave Ehrenberg or Attorney General Bondi or Amy Ronshausen on the podcast. There are a lot of people who are addressing this problem mm -hmm. from different angles because Quite frankly, it's not just a one-dimensional product or no. a, a problem or a one-faceted problem. Ergo, the solutions are not going to be just one solution or one attack on these things. You know, we've talked about the law enforcement attack and the legislative attack mm -hmm. and the prevention attack. 
the medical know, attack and the, and everything. the medical attack and then the, and the rehab you know attack on the problem mm-hmm. so anyway there, it's there's a a lot of a lot that we can still talk about and we have we have some good interviews that'll be coming down the line which i'm yeah. excited about yeah and you're right it is absolutely a multifaceted thing and that's why i always tell people you know while it's a multifaceted thing and there's a lot of moving parts and pieces to handling drug and drugs and addiction the uh, the solution doesn't have to be complicated and as multifaceted as the problem. The solution can actually be quite simple. Right. Um, and that's where you actually handle what underlies the addiction, which I actually consider that the addiction. Yeah. Uh, more so than the drug use itself because, you know, you could say that, say there's a person with headaches and the problem isn't the headaches, it's the brain tumor that's causing the headaches. It's kind of like that. And so, right. you know, getting the root of things is the way to do it. It can be that simple. Exactly. You handle it on a physical level, you handle it on a mental and emotional level, and you get, you know, kind of a full picture together. Exactly. And, and, and go forward from there. So in the midst of the drug crisis, um, which is something that we talk about, we see sometimes things get a little bit worse and we see sometimes these insane stories mm-hmm. that come through. Um, and whenever crazy things happen, I get about seven emails and text messages from seven different people that are all like, oh my God, did you just see what happened? Well, I always get them from Steve. Always. And you get them from Steve. <laughs> Steve is the number one person I get it from first and then I get followed by multiple others. So recently in Connecticut, in New Haven, there was a mass spice overdose incident to where I think there were about, was it 40 or 70? 76. 76 people all overdosed like kind of simultaneously in a park yep. in New Haven, Connecticut. Yep. That's insane. Yep. Especially if you were someone passing by a park and saw 76 people all overdosed and passed out on, on you know, some drug. And it, it, I, it's kind of frightening, it's like zombie apocalypse frightening uh, to see that many people overdose at one time in a public in a public place. Yeah, it's what you see in a movie where some guy has some weird virus and he tells the police, I'm about to drop 76 people and all of a sudden they drop. It's, I mean, it's like it's science fiction almost. It's bizarre. It's insane. And the thing is, it's K2, which is they're saying it's K2, which is either quote unquote spice or they call it synthetic cannabinoids. And uh, we've talked about spice a few times. And, yes, you know it's a, it's one of the first synthetic drugs that gained you know mass popularity in the United States and was sold legally everywhere. Um, and then it got outlawed and banned and changed so many times. We don't know what this is anymore. And lately, when there's these really weird, like kind of catastrophic overdose events lately, in the last two weeks, I'll say um, there's been the one in New Haven, and I think two or three weeks ago, a similar thing happened in Washington D.C. with K two wow. or spice. And so we're starting to see uh, a, a higher increase, not only in spice consumption, it seems like, but people getting like bad, bad spice or bad batches of K2 or whatever. Now in, um, in uh, I think it was Washington, D.C., they found rat poison, I believe, in, uh, in the spice. And now in um, New Haven, they're saying they found um, fentanyl yep. and uh, PCP. Yep. Was in it, and that's that's insane. Right now, spice. The only places I have heard that you can get it are like little shady stores where like someone knows somebody, and that's where they get it. Or you get it online or something. But you have to be really careful with this stuff, obviously, because there's mass casualty events happening now twice in two or three weeks in this country, and it's not a drug that's gone away. I feel like there's some sort of like thought that spice is not a big deal anymore it's not a huge problem it's mostly gone and stuff like that but it peaks its head up 
every now and then as like, hey, I'm still here and I'm still hurting people. And it scares me because we don't know what spice is by itself. Not to mention when you put other drugs that can kill you on top of it, you're going to have situations like what just happened in Connecticut. Right. Well, because it's not just one thing and it never has been one thing. There's some kind of formulaic you know, equation that puts it together and it changes all the time. All the time. Because remember, Attorney General Bondi was saying how she would outlaw this formulation and they just come up with a new one. So anybody listening, if you like are so excited about doing spice, you have no idea what you're doing. You don't know if there's fentanyl in there. You don't know if there's rat poison in there. I mean, that's just scary. You need to keep that in mind. Oh, no. The, yeah. The rat poison actually was in Illinois. That was a few months ago where there was a report that Spice was making people spontaneously bleed out of their eyes and their ears. Oh, that's right. We Remember? talked about that. Yeah, that Disgusting. was crazy. That was the rat poison. I'm not sure what happened in D.C. as far as why I was, that was. There's events there, but... Uh, in D.C. a few weeks ago, they actually like like public health uh, officials were actually putting out notices that they had like a major heat wave, which they said was also compounding the spice problem. And so they were like putting up like like public notices like, hey, if you're like overdosing on spice, like do this, this, this and this and get out of the heat and all this stuff. It's like, hey, why don't you just like not do spice? Right. Anyways. What a concept. But um, I remember spice back. Spice is addictive. Oh, yeah. And so have you had people um come through the program that are addicted to spice yeah and the thing about spice is that you don't know what the withdrawal is going to be like because you don't know what what strain or formulation of spice they take well they don't know we don't know specifically what they've taken right when someone says yeah i'm you know i'm hooked on spice it's like basically telling me i'm hooked on some mystery chemical (laughs) we're not sure what it is and that's the thing you can't even drug test for k2 okay so like there exists K2 drug tests. We have actually used the K2 drug test on somebody who said, I smoked spice for the last three months and they passed that test. Wow. Because that test only tested for Certain one formulas. formulation of right. it. And you never know what people have right. as far as like what formulation of the drug they, you know, they get or are, they bought. What it. are some of the side effects of spice? That's, that's a good question. Again, it goes into like what formulation you get, but in, in kind of in a general sense, you get serious um, dissociation from reality. Okay. You get, um, there's ex- obviously there's, there's extreme euphoria. There's. Um, well, those I don't know that people would call a side effect. I mean, that's kind of what they're going for, right? But I mean, like physical side effects. Like you, uh, you know, like there's one type of drug I know that rots your teeth. I think, you, is that methamphetamine? Um, and methadone. And methadone. And, and cocaine. So are, are there certain... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything rots your teeth. Okay. Are there certain physical things that occur because yeah. of the use of spice? Yeah. I mean, what happens is a lot of people have dilated pupils. You can tell that they're on it. They can go into psychosis. They can overheat. You can have heart heart attack, stroke, cardiac arrest. Um, it's I think it has caused spontaneous death in some users. And the thing is, well, if, a heart if, attack. <laughs> well, there's a heart attack, but also it's it causes absolute the spontaneous like people smoke and they die. It's just like that's it, that's the end of it. Um, and I don't know what that specific cause is, but yeah, you've got the you've got the heart problems, the lung, you know, respiratory problems that come from smoking this stuff because you don't know what it is. And they usually spray it on like dried like sage plant and stuff like that. So when people smoke it, almost kind of faintly, sort of resembles the smell of marijuana, but not quite the sage. You burn sage, it kind of sort of like, sort of smells like it, like slightly. 
Um, and you'll have that on the person as well. But the thing is, it's super, super, super addictive and people will take it in large doses and not understand how strong it is. So uh, one of the biggest side effects is that people absolutely go go nuts on this stuff. Hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that you'll see in the users. And it's also, you have to look at the person that's going to use spices, normally a person that's probably subject to random drug testing hmm. because it's a drug that can't get detected. And so commonly people on probation or parole, um, people that play sports, um, kids in high school, stuff like that. They're gonna, those are that. That's gonna be like your user of spice. Hmm. Now, spice. I have watched someone smoke spice before, not knowing what it was, and I literally watched this guy go from looking and presenting normally to complete dilated pupils, and um, his. I don't know the best way to put this. His perception on reality in the room I was sitting in with him was completely distorted to the point of like, okay, me and him are in two different dimensions right now. Oh, wow. And I don't know how people function on this because people will drive, operate machinery, go to work and do all sorts of stuff under the influence of this, which is kind of scary. Right. Now that's way, that's like years and years and years and years and years and years ago. Now, fast forward, there's so many ill side effects from this drug. I don't understand why people would continuously want to use it, seeing obviously what happens in, um, in the news and things like that, but also, I mean, from their own experiences, oh, another really bad side effect of spice is the quote-unquote bad trip. So you've heard of a bad trip on like LSD or yeah. mushrooms or like yeah. some sort of hallucinogens? Spice can give you a bad trip. Or you and freak out. It's, it's a very no psych- longer euphoric. You're right. now scared for your life or yeah, whatever. Yeah, you're, you know. Seeing I've, spiders crawl all over your body. I've had a guy that told me. And thunder strikes. <laughs> ACDC just start playing in my head. There you go. We're, gonna, yeah. <laughs> we're going to keep I going. I hope that got picked up. That was kind of cool. That was a thunder. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this guy, I actually heard of a guy who had a bad trip and it, it was someone that had come through Narcanon and they said, it was like this. I smoked this stuff and I felt the high come on and then I had this thought and a voice was in my head and it said, you're going to die at 6 p.m. And it was 5.05 p.m. Wow. So this guy literally sat in a panic state for 55 minutes thinking when the clock struck six o'clock, he was going to die from whatever reason. Right. And then he had some spontaneous, unrelenting urge to kill his dog. And he, he didn't, had, did he? No, he oh. didn't. He had, it was, uh, it was like this, there was this driving force that was trying to make him do it. And he had to like, actually take himself away from the house to save his dog because he kept having this horrible like, urge to, to, harm his, to harm his pet. Wow. That's, that's, that's a look and at. And there are stories about that, aren't there? There are people, there's been stories in the news, I think, about things like that. Oh, there? yeah. There, I mean, spice, spice will absolutely make people do that. Most famously, bath salts was the story, was bath salts with the story in Miami where a guy was actually eating the face off a homeless guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. The zombie apocalypse is upon us. But look. Spice is completely, completely, completely dangerous. It was even when it was first created. I mean, people were sold. It was sold to people as like, hey, it's like a synthetic legal weed. And it, there's nothing weed-like about this drug. Right. I mean, there's no there's not real similarity. It's synthetic. It's synthetic, but it's also, I, I, it's a, at this point, you can't even call it synthetic anything relating to something else. Because this is a thing completely on its own. Right. And the way spice is coming into the country, obviously is um, like everything else that synthetic is coming from China and other countries, and it's massively imported here. It's not, not, not a lot of it's not made here. And I have seen how spice is made, and this is really scary because, the, you know, like agencies have like busted down like the laboratories where they have it, and basically they walked in, and it's like this little disgusting 
you know, garage or something, like a slab of concrete, and there's all this dried plant matter, like scattered, like or across the floor, and they've just gone sprayed liberally this chemical all over it, and that's your quality control. Wow. You know, so one bag of spice might have gotten sprayed less than another bag of spice that got sprayed way more, and so the results of the high from one bag are going to vary to the you know one bag to the next because. There is no quality control. Do you really think there's a like a quality assurance officer that comes through the spice factory and says, I don't know, this one has a little bit too much of the chemical on it. We're going to like wipe this out and, you know, remake it. But you have to think about how this stuff is actually created. There is no quality control. It goes for any drug right now. Yeah. Because you never know what you're going to get because a drug is a drug is a drug. Sure. But doses wi- vary widely. That's right. I mean. That's right. That's, that's they true. do, and yep. there, there's nothing you can do about it. So remember that when you buy whatever bag of anything you're using from your your friendly local street dealer, it could be something that'll kill you. It could, it could be something have that fentanyl you... in it. It could, you know, who could have rat poison in it? Before I forget, we're about halfway through. I want to give the 800 number so that if anybody has any questions, either about the podcast or questions for you or questions about Narconon, the number is 877-339-3324. That's 877-339-3324. Any questions about the podcast, questions for Jason? You won't get me on that number, but Jason can always transfer you to me if... (laughs) <laughs> if you, if I am the one that you want to talk to. Absolutely. And that brings up a point. So Christian, who I work with, who's mm-hmm. been on the podcast, mm-hmm. he actually came to my office today and told me that we're, we're famous in Canada amongst mm. this family and they're spreading it um, to all the people that they know. Um, and so he thought that was great that his mom had called him and was told him that she was listening to it, thought it was great, everything like that, found it really informative. Now she shared it widely with a bunch of the family up in Canada who hopefully will, they will share it and they will share it and they will share it. That's awesome. So we've got fans in Canada. So Christian and your family, if you're listening, hello, thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. We loved interviewing Christian and I love his smiling face whenever I go over to Narconon. He's always upbeat. He's one of those people that's like always upbeat. I and just, I so love it. He's done a really, really, really like fantastic job. Yep. So um, we had a great graduation at Narcanon this week. Okay. Um, this was a girl, it, you know, it took me like, it took me by surprise in a way because we took a girl that had failed rehab multiple, multiple, multiple times and had been, had sat there in every rehab and been harshly evaluated by the counselors, by the psychiatrists and by even the, the people in the group therapy. I mean, they, apparently some rehabs, they had the clients all just evaluate each other. Is that my little other. friend who will remain nameless? Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and um, this was a person that, in her words, hated herself her entire life and could never come to terms with who she is, what she is, what her beliefs are, what she stands up for in life, um, and what her purpose is, and believed in all these harsh evaluations that happened not only in the, the rehab centers that she tried to get clean at, but also all the evaluations of other people throughout her life of, you know, quote unquote, like, what your problem is, Ugh. right? And so she came through the program and she like completely, completely transformed. Yes, to this I person, saw it. To this person that actually was able to confront, control, and communicate with life right. in general. I saw that. And uh, she stood up at graduation and said, you know, for the first time in my life, I can actually say I love myself. Oh, wow. And uh, I accept myself for who and what I am. There's nobody 
that can change that at this point. Wow. Isn't that cool? That's that's amazing. Now, she had said that she uh, might want to be on the podcast. You said she's not in the area anymore? Right. She's back home, and we'll do it over Skype. That would be great. Yeah, and she would love to tell her story about this because... I mean, her story is truly inspiring because there's so many of us, when I say us, people that were addicted to drugs, um, that dealt with that kind of harsh evaluation, people telling us what our problem is and what's wrong with you and you need to take your medication or you need to do this. Or even when you're in second grade and a teacher says, you know, you should not be like that. Right. Or you should, or, you know, something like that. That sticks in your mind forever. Yeah. And so you and, figure that's the underlying problem. Yeah. About the person addicted to drugs in the first place. And so what happens, the therapists or the counselors or whatever, just exacerbate it by continuing to reinforce the negative. I mean, it's, it's, it's that's exactly. messed up. It is messed, messed up. up. And it was so cool to see this. It was almost, I saw the family go through it together because when she first came to the program, I toured her family around. And of course, Every family, when they're dropping their kid off at rehab, it's bittersweet. Yeah. It's, it's happy, sad. It's, you know, no one wants to have to do that. Um, and they were going through it. And I got to, you know, walk around the facility and assure them things were going to be okay and that she was going to get the best treatment possible and all that stuff. And then to see them when they came back and, like, they were so blown away by the changes this girl made. Because this was a girl who, previous to the program, had zero level of responsibility, had no you know, self-dignity, self-worth, self-respect, self-confidence, or self-esteem. Yep. And the whole scene was just flipped. Yep. And these, yep. this family, the dad, I mean, it's one of the few instances where you see a dad cry. Oh, like a grown man, like wow. just tear up. And he was, after the graduation, I went up to him and said, hey, it's, it's good to see you guys again. You know, three months later, you know, here we are. What do you think? And the dad had, had tears rolling down his, his cheek saying, just thank you for yeah. what you did for my family. Thank you for oh. what you did for my daughter. I feel like I'm actually meeting my daughter for the first time. Right. It's kind of cool. Right. You know, to be able to do that for families. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah. That's why you do what you do. Yeah. I mean, it's why we all do this. Yep. It's, it's for those wins. It's for those successes. It's for like the putting a family back together that was at a point where it just everything was like completely hopeless. And my family was there too. Yep. And so... And that's why I say sometimes if we don't seem as serious or as downbeat as somebody thinks maybe we should, it's because we know with absolute certainty that there is a light at the end of that tunnel because we've seen it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so we know it is not as bleak as it might be seem it is not as hopeless as you who's listening who is either addicted or has a loved one who's addicted it is not as bleak as it might seem and there's a whole team of people at Narconon Suncoast and actually other Narconons throughout the world that are there specifically to help you right And, and that's all they want to do you know yeah so that's I. It, this is why we do it. I didn't get to see her graduation speech, but I did see her a couple weeks ago when mm-hmm. she gave almost like a, a pre-graduation speech. Yeah. It was almost done. It, just amazing. You know, you could just, I, you know, I didn't see her before when she came in, but I know that now she's 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 going to be kick butt in it, whatever she does. Every, she's everything she does going to totally you know, attack life with all cylinders blazing and make a difference in the world. And I think that's that's huge. I agree. And, you know, we have to stay upbeat about this because the all the – everything involved with addiction and drug crisis, what most people hear is bad news. Yeah. 
bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news on top of bad news. We know there's good news as far as what we do at Narconon, but we also have to kind of keep a positive outlook on the whole thing because if we're just, you know, down the dumps, you know, about it and we're, we're talking about it to the people that are listening, what good does that do anybody? No one's, right. no one would want to listen to us if we were like, oh God, and there is more overdoses and it's just getting so bad. It's like, it, it, I, I get, yes, it is getting bad and there are overdoses that are happening. It's like, but if we come across like that, I don't want to bring everyone else down. I want to no. try to like boost people up and be like, look, it's going to be fine if we all kind of like move in this like one direction. And as long as everyone has the data, has, knows what's going on, knows that there's hope, know that there's a solution, and knows that if they're a family going through addiction, that they're absolutely not alone by any stretch of the imagination. That's right. All that just inspires a little bit of hope, and that's what I hope. That's what I hope we're doing. That's exactly right. And you know, the truth of the matter is that um, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yep. Um, Steve gave me an article that talked about the um, statistics. On fentanyl overdoses? Uh, on just addiction. Okay. And uh, not improving to mm-hmm. a great degree yet, but I think that's why we're going to keep doing, you know, what we're doing and also keep supporting other groups that are trying to get the word out and trying to educate and, you know, trying to keep the awareness of this problem for in the forefront yeah. of, a, of a lot of people's minds because it, we we. We can't stop fighting, but on the other hand, like you said, I mean, we know for a fact that there, you know, there is hope and there is, um, there's, there are people there who are willing to reach out and help. And, you know, and even organizations like Learn to Cope that your parents found Mm -hmm. and that we had on the podcast or safeproject.us or Drug Free America or Drug Free World. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. You know, um, if anybody listening is concerned, oh, I, there was a story I wanted to tell, and I just remember the story. So I've started walking mm-hmm. in the morning. I'm being very diligent. Monday through Friday, I walk almost two miles. I think it's about 1.8 miles. I I'm, I don't want to wear my... Fitbit? <laughs> I don't want to... It's not a Fitbit. It's a Vivo Fit. Oh. I don't want to wear it because I don't like how it looks, and it gets in the way of my watch, and so I won't wear it. So I can't track my steps, but I, what I did was I kind of picked the halfway point and... Google mapped it as to mm-hmm. how far that was from my house. It was about 0.9 miles. I okay. figure I'm walking about 1.8 miles. So typically I walk around 6.30. And this week on Monday, the kids started back at high school. And I don't know what time the local high school starts now. I know when my son went, they were like starting at 7.20 a.m. Yeah, that's when we started. Super early. Anyway, I, w- I left the house and I listened to a po- I listened to podcasts, other podcasts on my phone, and I'm walking, and I pass a young man who obviously has a backpack, is going to school, and I thought, you know, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to him. He might have been vaping, but after he passed me, the smell of marijuana mm-hmm. was so thick. I stopped and I turned around and looked at him. He was a little too far away from me, but I didn't know if it was coming from the house I was walking past or if it was coming from this kid. I suspect it was coming from him. If I see him again, I probably will bring it up, but wow. You know, remember Fabian was talking last week about how you walk around in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and you can smell it. Okay. This was a healthy high school kid. This wasn't a medical marijuana issue. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you can vape it, right? You can vape it. Yeah, you can absolutely vape it. That's why I'm sure that was your culprit. I think so, but too. But we've got, we're getting to the point where marijuana use is normalized. 
Yeah, I know. In our in our society, we talked about that. We're going to get hit on it. I don't care. You know, it's it's not okay for a high school student to be walking around smoking marijuana. It's not okay for a high school kid to be drinking. Uh, make no mistake. Underage is underage, in my viewpoint. You know, and even though, yes, when I was in high school, I did drink alcohol, and there were those who did drugs. I didn't do drugs. But, you know, I'm sorry. If you're in high school, you shouldn't be walking around smoking marijuana. And you should be studying. Exactly. And getting into college and doing all those fun things that all of us did but yeah let me tell you if you're smoking marijuana your iq is going down buddy and anybody that wants to argue with me go to jason yeah call me go argue with joni call me you can can yell at me about it call that 877 number and talk to jason but it is true there are statistics that it it reduces iq there you go we're gonna leave it there so you got a kid in high school who is poised at finishing his regular education and moving on to higher education that is now smoking marijuana. It's a, it's a recipe for failure right there. That's the society we live in. And remember these kids are our future. Right. That's, <laughs> oh, so the reason I remembered the story was because I was going to say if anybody's listening and uh-huh. they are concerned about the subject of marijuana and mm-hmm. it getting legalized, especially in the state of Florida, or if in your state it's not legalized yet, there is an organization called Drug Free America. We've had Amy Ronshausen on here two different times. Mm-hmm. You can reach out to Amy. She will give you all the ammunition and statistics and facts that you need to get in front of the other people in your community and fight that as a problem. If you just need facts on drugs in general, if you need to know about spice or heroin or cocaine or what have you and the actual information about what those drugs do to the body so Mm -hmm. that you can give an informed talk to young people... There's drugfreeworld.org, and they can help you with that. There are so many resources out there. If you need a mentoring group, learn to cope. That's what they do. And if you know that either you are addicted or someone you know and love is addicted and you just don't know how to handle it, well, that's the reason to call Narcan. Even if you're not ready to commit to any sort of rehab, Jason and several other people at Narcanon are going to be able to give you information so that you can take the next step Mm -hmm. and take some kind of action because the wrong thing to do is nothing. Okay. And I was a bad girl. I didn't do anything when I thought it was that kid who was smoking marijuana. I should have turned around and run after him. So I'm a bad person. I did nothing. So flunk on me and you can bet your sweet bippy that if I see him again, I definitely will have a word with him. You're going to see him tomorrow. I have this feeling. You get up, you're going to go walk. You're going to see him tomorrow. You're going to tell him what's what, Joni. He and I will have a chat. Good. I think that's a good idea. I think I'll be fantastic. I will. You changed your life. Exactly. Exactly. You look like a bright young kid. You know, he's probably got a whole future ahead of him unless he messes it up. There you go. Mm -hmm. What else? We I'm, done? Yeah, why not? Okay, fine. Yeah, How long is that? Done. It's a, we're almost 32 minutes. I got to cut out a little bit, but that's fine. Yeah. But the point is, we had a lot to say today. Um, spice, we were all over that one. And marijuana, yes, those of you who love marijuana, too bad. We don't agree with it. And uh, yeah, and so we're going to keep talking. And I hope we can get the young lady on the podcast. Yes. Really, really would like to do that. She's quite a success story. Absolutely. And if she would be willing to really share 
the whole thing, like how, you know, her childhood and how it kind of led her into drugs, that would be really good. Because I think that there are a lot of people out there who, you know, teachers, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get on another little subject here. Teachers have a lot of authority when you're a young person. Oh, absolutely. When you're in a classroom and a teacher is standing up in front of you, typically until you reach your teenage years, they have some authority with you. And so when a teacher invalidates you for whatever reason, that sticks for a very long time. When I was in, I was either in kindergarten or first grade, I got in trouble for talking in class. So basically, I got in trouble and had a note written to my parents because I was communicating. So what kind of an effect does that have on a five-year-old going forward in life. Stop communicating. Exactly. Now, obviously, those of you who are listening to the podcast know that it is not an issue with me, but it was very upsetting for quite a long time because typically when you're a student you know, you're, or, or you're a kid, you're trying to please your parents. Well, mm-hmm. then when you're in a school setting, you're trying to please your teacher. Absolutely. Everybody is, you know? So teachers have a lot of power. And so when, and I, and teachers are great, make no mistake. I mean, this is one teacher out of, I, I think I had two teachers in my whole education that I could say were probably shouldn't have been teaching, but okay, three. But, but my point is that sometimes things can be done, even not intentionally, mm-hmm. that can, work to invalidate a young person yeah and i can totally see how that happening could at some point lead into drugs because i remember when there there was a time when i flat out knew for a fact that nobody understood me and i didn't understand anybody else around me Mm -hmm. it was a perfect recipe to go into drugs fortunately i didn't right i just kind of I don't remember what I did. I just kind of did my own thing. But I can just see that happening with young people. And then the solution becomes the drugs because then you don't have to think about it. And then you don't worry about it. Or as you said, in your case, you became very outgoing. Absolutely. And the thing is, you have to understand um, is that a lot of for a lot of kids, one of the first big invalidations about anything that they get is probably from a school teacher. Right. Because when you're growing up and you're young, you you know, you spend a very large part of the day at school. Right. Um, you know, once you hit, you know, first, second grade and stuff like that. And so a lot of the invalidation will come from them. I was invalidated indirectly by my by my first grade teacher to invalidate me and my parents. They said, Dr. Mrs. Good, your son is probably not going to amount to anything. You see, here he can't color inside the lines now to us that looks like a failure to comply with orders or take direction or like whatever it was that was this woman's basis for why i wasn't gonna add up to anything because i couldn't color in lines wow that's my first that was my first validation i can guarantee you ain't coloring in the lines anymore anyway re- jason and I, congratulations um, i constantly i only color outside the lines there now. you go because I'm a I'm a rebel, and go. the other thing is that you know another invalidation that kids got who are my age as we we're growing up was the fact that if something's wrong with you, you need to take medication. Right, that's another huge invalidation that sticks with people because at least it stuck with me because I went through a large part of my life saying, or my teacher thinks there's something's not quite right, um, and the doctors think there's something not quite right. My parents agree with that. I can't say I disagree. I'm seven, right, or, or I'm eight, and um. 
you end up on meds, and then that whole thing becomes a, a fiasco. Oh, because that's just it. That's the just other invalidating spiral. Yeah, it was the other yeah. invalidating part is now I'm not normal like everybody else, and so you constantly invalidate yourself all day, mm-hmm. and it turns into this whole absolute extreme mess. The thing is, it does handling addiction almost it does start with kids because right. if you think about it, to some sort of degree, we groom children. As they grow up to become addicts, especially in our society, because if you think about it, you've got whatever life circumstance happens, then you've got the constant push on, you know, psychiatric drugs and things like that on, you know, TV commercials and magazine ads and stuff like that. And then you get the societal um, agreement that when you don't feel good, you just take something. Um, Then you go to take whatever the doctor gives you, it'll be good for you because that's the doctor and that's what the doctor's job is. And then as you're growing up and you know, you're 13, 14, 15 in the movies and in pop culture and all that, all your favorite rock stars and musicians and you know, whoever are popping zannies and drinking and you know, doing whatever. And you just have this whole like just grooming process to like, that brings people into addiction. And we have to look at it like that. Yeah. Like, if we're going to like really handle addiction, like if we, societally culturally as a country or whatever really have this absolute like desire to handle it though that's just some of the different things that are going to have to get looked at and handled and dealt with if we're going to do that like i mean i we've talked about this before we're one of two countries that allows direct consumer marketing on psychiatric oh, drugs don't get me started it just <laughs> it's makes like, me insane it's but, like every 15 minutes on some channel, you can have an antidepressant. I mean, it's like, come on, people. This is not a good thing. This is not the way it's supposed to be. But th- that's the grooming thing. That's I know. The, I mean, if you take a kid and you pop him down in front of a TV for four hours, he's probably going to see a little around an hour of pharmaceutical ads. At least. At least. Yeah. It, it, there's, it, I mean, that if we're going to handle it, we have to look at the big picture. But it's not, it's not one thing or two things or even three things that are responsible for the drug crisis. There's a whole lot of things yeah. that all work together, kind of symbiotically, to create that final effect, and that's you know, a, a creation of an addiction into somebody. Right. Because if if you don't have all these preconceived ideas and notions and beliefs about the way things are supposed to go, you're not going to end up addicted to drugs. That's right. But as you go through life and society and the media and everything just kind of grooms you towards it, that's what's, it's inevitable for a lot of people. It's what's going to happen. That's right. So. That's right. But even though, and I wanted to kind of go back where I was talking about like, you know, teachers of young kids or, or parents, you know, we've talked about this before too. And just, just to make it clear, even if maybe you're a parent who's listening and you put your kid on Ritalin because you were told that that was the right thing to do and now your son or daughter is a full-blown addict, no shame, no blame, no no regret. Take action and call somebody. Ideally call the Narcan number that we give you, but call somebody and take action and do something about it. You know, we all make mistakes. There's no question, but... It's what we do going forward. Mm-hmm. It's how we take responsibility for our mistakes. Exactly. That, that, make a di- that makes a difference. Abs- right. There, and that's the thing. There should be no shame. Most parents, if they have a kid that thinks having problems or told it's having problems and they're told the solution for all this is put on medication, most parents would have gone for that. And most parents yeah. did go for that. Yeah. It's not their fault. But if you, yeah, if you're in that situation now where you have a loved one who's an addict, do something. Take action. Get be, help. Be, you yeah. know, be willing to take full responsibility for it and do something about it. I think we've covered just about every 
aspect of help. You know, we've interviewed Bobby Newman. If you don't know how to talk to your your son or daughter who's addicted and you haven't you can't figure out how to get them into treatment, we got a solution. We've got Bobby Newman, mm-hmm. who's an interventionist. If you don't know how to do drug testing, you've got the 877 number called Jason and he'll tell you how to do it. Knock and I'll send you a drug a drug test. Mm-hmm. You know, and do a drug test and find out and get the information. There's so many resources that we give you we just want you to take action because it's going to take a full-on, across-the-boards attack against addiction for it to get handled. And everybody listening to this podcast is part of that in some way. Mm-hmm. And we're also going to work on a way to make it easy for you all to be support you know, the movement against addiction and become part of the force against it. So stay tuned for that because we will talk about that going forward. Awesome. But we'll be here next week. Yep. And um, I know we have an interview coming up with a medical director at Narconon in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah. And I just really hope we can get your new young graduate on because she's such a doll. I really like her. All right. Well, let's do it. Okay. We'll talk next week. Next week. Okay. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 